Here it comes. It's the Music City Real Estate Show with Andrew Buckwalter. Coming to you from his roving camper studio, The Rambler, in Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as we travel about town to discover the best real estate in areas you want to know about. With expert advice, finding the best deals, and meeting Music City's hit makers and emerging artists who call Nashville their home. And now, here's Andrew. Hello, Nashville and all the listeners out there. I am super excited because today is the official launch of Episode 1 of Music City Real Estate Show. I hope you took the time to listen to the intro as it dove into why I started the podcast and a little bit about the the background and the story. It was a little longer than some of the normal intros you might hear, but felt that all the details needed to be included so you get the whole picture. Today I'll be sitting down with uh, Anthea Click from Fresh Perspectives, Home Staging, and Jason Jordan, a local musician in Nashville. Just so you know, the format will be opening up with a song from Jason Jordan, and we'll roll into uh, part one of the interview with him, and then we'll pick up with Anthea Click, and we will learn about home staging and why it's important as a home seller, and also uh, good tips and advice for other realtors as well. After that, we will continue with the interview with Jason Jordan, and then we'll finish up with the song. So without further ado, sit back and relax and enjoy some acoustic guitar playing from Jason Jordan. So I'm sitting here with Jason Jordan, a friend of mine, actually a neighbor. Yeah, Andrew. And How's it a, going, man? Good, man. Good. A musician. Yeah. And uh, he's actually going to be uh, 
one of my first musicians that I interview. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. Yep. Yep. Thanks for uh, being willing to, uh, you know, sit through this possibly awkwardness being no. the first first interview I do. No, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a fun process watching the camper come along. All right. As, right. as me and Andrew live in the same neighborhood. Actually, our second neighborhood right. together. And uh, actually, technically, I think we're about the same distance of homes probably, apart. Probably like, so. Really, I think yeah. we did the math. Yeah. Where are we going next? I don't know. Uh, you gotta, I know you're you know you're, you're eyeing some here. You got to find us a good spot. Right. Well, you know I can do that. I know. So, yeah, actually, Jason, he was one that uh, helped me with the uh, pick out the name of the camper uh, mobile podcast studio, which is called The Rambler. The Rambler. And then uh, actually, you know, he stopped by a few times, gave me some tips. I think you might have gave me the idea of the skylights, maybe. I, I don't know. I think. I but hey, know. it turned out great, man. You did a great we'll job. Appreciate it. You should be yeah. proud of your work. I am. You should I am. Be. I'm proud to be done, too. You're going to be living in it now. I am. I know. I was, it was really close, man. It was really close. So uh, so tell me a little bit about your uh, music history. How long have you been uh, in the music scene, playing? How, how young were you? Well, here in Nashville, uh, I moved to Nashville in uh, 1996 um, from Alabama originally. Parents were both musicians. And uh, you know, I started out originally on drums, and my parents had a music store, and uh about six years old, started playing guitar, kind of put the drums to the side. Then, you know, learned a little bit and then put it down as a teenager. And then about 14 or 15, I picked it up and knew that's what I'd do for, for the rest of my life. You know, took it serious then. Right. You know, knew that was my passion. That's cool. So your dad, so did you, I, I think I recall you said your dad was, uh, he owned a music store? Yeah, my dad owned a music store. He was a musician. He was a he was a bass player and guitar player and and my mom's a singer, so and mom used to tour and stuff as well, you know. I think I forget all uh, that. Yeah, yeah. She had a single. Uh, it was in the top twenty. It was called uh, "We Don't Love Here Anymore. We Just Live Here." That's cool. Yeah, in the mid eighties, you know. Why, so. why didn't she ever sing it? Sing at the church. Wow, man. I don't know. Mom just doesn't really do it anymore. You know, yeah. she loves it, but. I've been I've been threatening to do an album on my mom. I thought it'd be fun. That you would know? be cool. Actually, you know? the whole family. Yeah, yeah. I had my dad play bass on it. Yeah. You know, it'd be fun. So, you, so you started. You said when you were six. Was it just something that you naturally did because you were hanging out with your dad? You know, probably originally. You know, um, seeing my parents do it. You know, right. so. But then it kind of took on its own life as a, as a teenager. You know, you figure out well. Yeah. I can, I can actually do this. Yeah. You know? It's like anything, sports or anything. You go, well, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Right. You know, maybe I should pursue it. You know. Yeah. So how was it been? Because your dad taught you. You know, and sometimes I think about with my kids, I can teach them how to swim, but then they seem to listen better to like a different teacher. And obviously, you teach kids. Yeah. Um, do you recall a difference? Is it better sometimes to be taught by someone that's not a parent? You know, you know, I don't remember that, but I think a smart thing on my parents' part for the way they I learned, I didn't take individual lessons from my dad. My dad would do group classes, and then it's like, you know, I was a kid. I was doing karate and stuff as well, and they were like, well, you just take this guitar class, you know, and it just seemed like it was something I was supposed to do, you know. Right. Rite of passage in my family because my, you know, both sides had music, and it's like, well, yeah, you got to learn to play guitar, you know. Right. So, with teaching kids, um, what do you think is the best instrument to for kids to learn on? Like, start out with, I've heard the piano, yeah, guitar, does it? You know, really a lot of people say piano just because of how it lays out, it makes more sense. It right. does make more sense than the guitar, but I, you know, I start kids, you know, I have 53 students a week, and I start kids out on guitar 
you know, all the time. And as long as they get you teaching them a good basis of theory behind it, right. it's just fine on anything you want to start on. You know, you got to do what you're passionate about. You right. know, right. I mean, I see a lot of parents put their kids in piano and they shouldn't be because they don't like the piano. <laughs> and like, you're probably not going to be uh, Billy Joel because they don't like it, you know, so. Right. They're right. probably going to end up playing drums or guitar because that's yeah. what they want to do, you know. So, so you're from Alabama. So you're a big Alabama fan. You right? know better than that, Andrew. <laughs> War Eagle, I'm Auburn fan. <laughs> Go Auburn. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Hopefully, so, it's good year. Yeah. Yeah. So you moved here when? 1996. And then, so what's kind of some of your your music resume? Who have you played with? Oh uh, man, it goes way back. You know, when I when I first came to town, there was a guy, um, my first like touring gig, I, I worked at Opryland in 96 okay. and um, my first touring gig was with a guy named Rich McCready. And there was a movie uh, with Luke Perry called uh, Hank, uh, called Eight Seconds. Mm-hmm. It was a rodeo yeah, movie. Yeah, and there was, a, there was a song called uh, Lord, I'm Hanging On. And that was my first gig with Rich. And I took that gig in about 1997. And after that, I was with a guy named Michael Peterson. But of late, you know, artists people would know would be uh, Love and Theft, Kip Moore, Thompson Square, uh, J.T. Hodges, Jana Kramer, Kelly Bannon, Jason Michael Carroll, uh, Jeff Bates, which was one of my favorite gigs. I was here for about three years. And, mm-hmm. You know, and been fortunate enough to record with these people as well. And, right. you know, two Love and Theft records. And I did a television commercial for Jana Kramer that you can watch every morning on Price is Right. Nice. <laughs> I still see it. Yeah. Really? It's fun for the kids. They're like, Dad, that's you. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's me. That's it's cool. pretty cool, you know. Uh, now so. I have to YouTube it or something. Yeah. Pure Silk. <laughs> now, did you, did, I think I read, did you play at Tootsie's downtown as well? Um, I, I did. I did the Broadway thing. I did it from about 2000 to about 2004. That was back before you could make money at it. You know, there's people making money down there now. We were playing for free. Yeah, it seems like some people just, they just like doing just that. Yeah, it's a a different scene than it was then. You know, in the 90s, when, when, you know, moved to town, there was no Broadway. Mm -hmm. It was like you play down uh, Printer's Alley, which now they've kind of, you know, that's definitely going. Right. uh, They're changing everything over there. But that was kind of the scene then. And people... People didn't do that for a living, per se. It was more of a, uh, you know, you went on the road on the weekends. And, you know, Nashville is kind of a weekend warrior town where uh, the country acts go out for three days a week and they're home during a week, which is unlike rock music for, you know, they might go out for six months. Mm -hmm. But which is attractive to have a family and have some sort of life. But um, that was the scene then. But people weren't doing it, like I said, for a living. They were doing it more for fun. It would be like you would go on the road and do yours. You know, you play the same 12 songs every night for three years. And then, you know, you come down there four days a week and just blow off steam and play whatever you want and play loud and just, you know, have fun. So that was like, it was a more of a community hang, Mm -hmm. you know, because tourists and tourism in Nashville was big then, but not like it is today. You know, I mean, you can go to Broadway on a Monday night and there's an hour wait to get into a bar. I mean, that's, you know, it wasn't like that then there were homeless people and it was a way different deal. Homeless people are probably kind of liking it down there. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Driving Mercedes and stuff. So you, you obviously <laughs> love uh, playing the guitar, and you're yeah. awesome at it. Oh, thanks, man. What's, uh, what's some of your favorite uh, guitars, or do you have a particular one that you like? You know, man, my favorite guitar I have is probably a 1964 Gibson ES-335, which you've seen that guitar. That My dad bought that new in 1965. It's a 64, but he bought it new in 65, and, you know, it's been around my whole life. And uh, 
about five years ago, Dad, in Christmas, he's like, hey, it's, it's yours, you know. So, nice. so it's my prized possession. You That's know? pretty cool, too, to think about all the different instruments. And you could probably look at each of them and pull in a couple of memories with them. Oh, I'm to- sure a ton oh, of them. Totally, actually. yeah. Yeah, my dad has a bass, too, that he – he played with a lot of artists back in the day and it's all beat up and he put every scratch on it, you know? And so that's cool. You pull that out of the case and you're like, Oh, well, man. I guess that's yeah. kind of the advantage of not kind of being the rock thing and smashing them. Yeah. Then you smash it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right? Yeah. You can't. Or I guess maybe they carry certain uh, random uh, ones when they know they're going to do that. Yeah. So, some do. Yeah. That's so, funny. So what are some of the favorite venues you played at? Oh man, that's the Ryman. Yeah, yeah, cool. totally the rhyming. I've I've been fortunate, very very fortunate that a couple artists that I've played with um, were very loved by the Opry. So I've done the Opry over uh, over two hundred and fifty times. Very blessed for that. That's I'm cool. super super fortunate. And uh, but man, there's nothing like playing the rhyming. And uh, 2016, which is her current single. It's a uh, Kelly Bannon. It's a song called Church Clothes, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal song. 2016 they were getting ready to record that song and me and her stood in the uh in the circle at the Ryman Auditorium and I played acoustic guitar and she sang that song and I mean it was one of the most special moments uh of, That was the first time you played? No no okay, this this was, was last one. year yeah oh, okay, it's just okay. just standing in that circle though just me and her there was a lot of uh you know honesty to it you know yeah. and, uh, the first time I did the Opry was, I will never forget that. That was 2004, and that was when the Opry was televised. Okay. And uh, I was with Jeff Bates, and it was Trace Adkins, Montgomery Gentry, Jeff Bates, and Diamond Rio. That was the lineup. And I had never played with Jeff before. I had been hired for the gig two weeks before, no rehearsal, and my first gig was TV on the Opry, That's and no wow. rehearsal. And it was at the Ryman. <laughs> I played good, yeah, it was good. I mean, I, but it was it wasn't that was a pressure cooker, you know. Yeah. It's like, well, all right, Just here with we all go. Those other names, yeah, but I mean, your first gig is right. on TV on the Opry. It's like uh, uh, that's a big it's one, like, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a maker to break it. That's right. So people are going to notice you. You got to step up, you yeah. know. So so then you kind of switch gears. Have you always taught all the time, or is that something? I know you do it do it a lot now. Yeah. But. I I started teaching lessons when I was 15. Um, My dad, you know, after he had transitioned out of the music store, um, my parents built a recording studio behind their house. And my dad still taught guitar lessons. Um, And uh, I started teaching at 15. And, you know, it's funny because I was teaching people 65 years old, you know, and teaching adults. And and I'm a kid, you know, and and I was doing those group classes like my dad did. and, And it's been kind of a natural progression of like, in 2014, I left Love and Theft Thanksgiving in 2014. And then, uh, you know, I worked with JT Hodges and Kelly in the last two years. But in that whole time, transitioning kind of off the road. Right, um, I right. still played on, you know, I'm very fortunate to play on records and, you know, and songs on the radio. And I was super blessed for that. And, but transitioning off that whole, you know, 300 days a year gone, you know, yeah. as you know, I have two little right. kids and right. eight year old and a almost three year old and it's time to be home. It's time yep. to be dad, you know? So I teach at, you know, music store here in Mount Juliet called Shallow Music three days yep. a week. And I teach at Mount Juliet Christian Academy and I teach at a uh, Davidson Academy as well. And, you know, have a really good program with. 53 students a week and i love it i love giving back to the kids you know it's uh and still i'm i'm you know i've still play gigs on the weekends and still play and i still get to do my thing and play at church and you know do what i'm supposed to be doing and and still be home and be dad you know so 
It's been That's a great cool. transition, you know. It's time to give back. I, I've I've been had a great career. I've been blessed to do many things I never thought. I mean, gosh, man, my hometown is. You know, when I left there, it was almost 5,000 and now probably 3,000. And for a guy to come out of my neighborhood and get to, you know, play on number one platinum selling songs and tour with those artists. And, you know, gosh, I've probably been a part of every major tour in country music, you know. Yeah. Taylor Swift, Tim McGraw, Brad Paisley, and I mean, just on and on and on, you know. So who would ever think I'd get to do that, you know. It's been really, really great. That is cool. And then to be able to, you know, wind down when the kids are are growing up. And yeah, and, and give stuff. back. I feel yeah. like, you know, I'm giving back to these kids, you know. I got a lot. Yeah. I got. I have a lot of knowledge, and I can save them from making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I would know? think I was thinking about you, actually, when thinking about doing this podcast. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be fun if I took some lessons. Yeah. And the kids, too. So yeah. maybe we can uh, yeah. wake up. And we can, we can totally stuff. do it. great first part of the interview with Jason Jordan. Hang tight after the interview with Anthea Click and we'll be back with Jason Jordan to finish out the second part of the interview and he'll play one more song for us. Alright, hello Nashville. Uh, we are coming to you from just north of the Woodbine area um, and uh, it's actually kind of nasty and dreary outside so it's nice to be in a camper uh, perfect weather so I'm sitting here this morning with uh, Anthea Click um, she is the owner of Fresh Perspective Home Staging and Designs um, they do home staging so I'm going to interview her this goes along with um, the theme for May which is getting your house ready to list so speaking with um, clientele that uh, can give some tips and advice and help sell your home quickly so uh, she's joining me this morning from the Rambler and so I'm going to let her introduce herself give a little bit about her business um, so go ahead Anthony all right well thank you very much for inviting me I'm thrilled to be here this morning uh, the company is fresh perspectives we have been a um, home staging company here in Nashville for the last 10 years and we have since branched out into doing a lot of design work for clients, which is a lot of fun, but my heart truly is in all the home staging because I love to help people get their property sold. Right. And a lot of times real estate can be frustrating for people, especially when um, there's challenges with getting a house sold. Right, right. Well, cool deal. Well, give us, I guess, uh, just the basic of what is home staging. Home staging is preparing the house for the market. So the it is all about highlighting the architectural features of the house and downplaying any negative things. Now, when I say that, I don't mean hiding things because mm-hmm, sometimes right. people want to hide um, like whether it be rugs or it, yeah it could be that stain on the carpet or uh-huh. it could be um, just something that's just wrong with the house and so uh, we're huge advocates of dealing with that on the front end uh-huh. and it's all about building staging is building buyers emotions to help them fall in love with the house because we purchase a home based upon our emotions. Mm -hmm. We see ourselves living 
in a house. We see the lifestyle. We see the kids running around in the backyard. And that's what we're selling is the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Yeah, I like that. So really highlighting all the areas. Because uh, sometimes I'll go into a house and you'll have a couple rooms that they could be the formal dining or the living. And, um, you know, sometimes you kind of guess what it is. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you have someone like you come in and stage it, um, or even, you know, change up everything they have, it, it highlights what this specific room can be more tailored to. Absolutely, and there's there's the challenge, too, is when people are living in a home, sometimes they may use, like, say, for example, a dining room. They may use that as a study. Mm -hmm. Not going to necessarily work when we're trying to sell a house. So um, there also may be some other, like, awkward areas in a home that really need explaining. Right. Um, so we focus on those types of areas um, because if a buyer doesn't understand how they're going to use a space they're not going to pay you for the square footage right and do you do you do other stuff with the formal dining because I have so many buyers that are like I would never even use that do you always say well let's if it's a formal dining let's make it or do y'all change it up a little bit just curious we keep it a formal dining room okay. and the reason is because it always seems to make sense if you know that that's a great formal dining room then it may work for your needs in a different way. Sometimes we, I've walked into homes and those formal dining rooms have become the kids' playroom, mm -hmm. which is great, but not necessarily for selling. Right. Um, another issue I'm sure, well, I know I'll run into. Sometimes, a lot of times, actually, it seems like it's always last-minute listings. Mm -hmm. So they're they're scrambling to even get picks because I'm trying to time the picks and stuff because they found a house that they were kind of, you know, it's last-minute how the inventory is. And so, uh, and then with that being said that, you know, obviously we know our market's hot fast. Mm -hmm. So what's the, I guess, the insight into with the market as it is, with sellers trying to keep, you know, a lot of the money, <laughs> the advantages of doing home staging with that, in that context? Well... If you don't stage, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. Okay. The non-staged or unstaged homes mm -hmm. help sell the staged homes because it feels completely different. Mm -hmm. It's selling a home is a very, there's a lot of psychological avenues that we take. And that's part of what staging is. There, It's their psychology. And then there's also the creative art side of it right. and that's how we have fused the two I guess areas right. um, to, to move a house so right. the benefits of it are going to be you're going to get your house sold quicker mm -hmm. it's going to develop that warm cozy emotion that the buyers are looking for it also because they're they have emotionally invested in the house and because they really want that house now you have a buyer who's willing to give more because they want it and in that market with that with the seller's market you know and you're getting multiple offers they're going to want to ante up a little bit more mm -hmm. than what they right. would otherwise right right now how often do you go in and declutter advise them on decluttering do y'all deal with that or do you give them a set of list of going clear this out and then we come in with all of our stuff well, what our company does is um, we specialize in vacant properties. Okay. Other staging companies okay. will do occupied properties, and that's just a that's just a personal choice that we have chosen not to go that route with our okay. business model. Okay. But 
on the other side of that, there's also consultations where we will go in and we will consult with the homeowner. We'll walk through the property and we'll talk about what's working for selling, what's not working. How do we fix that? And then we always find out what is your budget? Do you have a couple grand that you can put into your house? Well, fantastic. Then we're going to help you figure out where to get put that two or two thousand right. dollars into the house that's going to reap you the biggest benefit and right. that's a whole goal so we'll walk through the property and we'll give them the advice that they need and then the homeowners will take it from there okay so and that's what happens in an occupied property right vacant property totally different ball game it is a blank canvas where we come in and we will advise the homeowner or the builder, uh -huh. what areas need to be staged, and we focus on those particular areas. Nine times out of 10, we don't focus on secondary bedrooms because those aren't decision-making rooms. Mm -hmm. And we're very conscious about where our client needs to invest their money. I want to make it the smallest investment with the biggest right. bang for their buck. So. So with, so obviously, hands down, vacant homes need to be staged. Mm -hmm. So what's your opinion with some of the newer technology to where they can, you can take a picture of it online and then stage it, virtual staging? What's your yeah. thoughts on that? It may get the buyers through the door, which is what you want. Right. But when they walk in there, it's an emotional letdown. Okay. And I'm going to buy it when I'm standing in that doorway, not when I'm looking at it online. Right. Right. So good for getting them in, but mm -hmm. not for, for closing the deal. Yeah. So also, if you look at a stage home and they see how beautiful it is, mm -hmm. um, and if somebody walks in and they're like, wow. I love everything in here. I want to buy it because that can happen, especially you mm -hmm. know with a lot of these buyers in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do with that? I know you keep a. I saw your warehouse, so you have a, a ton of inventory in there that you can pick, and people come in and mm -hmm. touch and fill it. A lot mm -hmm. of cases, right? Um, so, what do you say to the buyer that wants to buy all of the staging stuff? What do y'all do with that? We. We'll offer um, to sell it to them, um, but we purchase everything directly from the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So we will actually pick up the furniture that's physically in the property because we don't sell anything out of our inventory until we are, until we have phased it out. Okay. But we can, we can do a whole brand new house for them, right. and supply them with new furniture. Yeah, because I know a lot of times people come in and it's like, I mean, that's yeah, what I want everything about the house. It's yeah. like perfect. Yeah. Like, and then you know. Then they bring their stuff in. It's like, oh, man, that's not as good looking mm -hmm. as it was with all of your stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and as a matter of fact, a few years ago, we worked on a project over in Creve Hall where we had renovated it, worked with a company to renovate it, and we staged the entire property. And when they did the open house, there were four people who wanted to purchase everything from the house. Wow. Um, they wanted to put in an offer, and but they wanted it fully furnished. Right. So it happens. Yeah. All the time. Right. So right. we got a lot of yeah, a lot of oh I won't say just California buyers, but obviously we know the price differences between the two, so Oh yeah. Turnkey is easy. Yeah. People love turnkey. They wanna just move their clothes in. Right. And when you have a buyer who feels that way about the house, mm -hmm. as a seller, you have an ace in the hole. You right. have the huge advantage and it's all about that negotiation. Who has who has the key? Mm -hmm. And it's the seller at that point, which is exciting. So how quick can you get to a buyer if I have one, or seller if I have one that says, hey, we want to sell our house in a week. Um, are you 
book far out? Like, how does how does that work with you? It depends upon the time of the year. In our busy season, spring and summer, mm-hmm. we're usually seven to ten days out. We do have a team of six people uh, who work with us, and they're churning out two to three properties a day. Okay. So we have a really we're crazy busy, which right. is a great problem to have. Right. The slower seasons, when we're talking winter, November, December time frame, it could be four or five days. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what's some tips that it just in general you mm-hmm. can pass along to some sellers as they're listening to this and kind of getting some ideas of deciding do I stage or like, for instance, I, uh, I helped some sellers sell recently and they due to circumstances they had to sell within six months so their money was extremely tight and everything mm-hmm. and they could have definitely you know used some staging mm-hmm. but with someone in a scenario like that what are some basic tips that you could pass along through your experience of doing this this obviously i know decluttering is the is the biggest one right right, right. But what are you know a couple of tips that maybe you like I would say paying attention to the details, which most people miss. And it's things like um, if it's an if it's an occupied property, it will be things such as cleaning light fixtures, Mm -hmm. baseboards, insides of appliances. Having that house spick and span is a huge advantage Mm -hmm. because it's something about how it feels when you walk in. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're trying to capture. So. If investing in a professional cleaning company to come in, I believe is truly some of the best money that you can spend on getting a house ready. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you also want to think about the furniture setup. How is the furniture laid out? You want to think about flow, uh, traffic patterns. Where are people going to naturally walk? Are they going to move straight into the living room or are they going to veer off to the right? Um, So you need to think about things like that and how do you make the house flow? Also, you want to highlight those architectural features. Everybody loves a fireplace. Whether we ever use them or not, people love them and buyers will pay for them. So you need to highlight in a living room the fireplace. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, because I'm thinking, you know, while you're talking and you still have a lot against this market, not you, but in mm-hmm. general, because it's like, well, I don't, I don't have to do a whole lot. And honestly, sometimes I'll go in and, mm-hmm. and I'll go back and forth. It's like, well, obviously declutter. Um, but then again, sometimes until you do it, you really don't know. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, also, what I suggest to you is go in and photograph your house okay. before you put it on the market. Take a look at what it looks like in photographs. Is it appealing? How does it compare to your competition that's already on the market? When you see your house in photographs, you look at it completely different because what happens when we live in our home, we start to become blind to to it. Because you love it, right? Well, and you know, that picture on the wall has been hanging there for eight years. All of a sudden, you just kind of ignore it. You don't pay attention to it. Whereas somebody who is walking into your house for the first time, they're going to notice that. Right. So um, when you just step back, take a look at your house through photos, you have a completely different viewpoint of it. Mm -hmm. And if it looks phenomenal in photos, it's going to feel good when the buyers come in. And then now you've created more demand. Right. 
and it only helps your pocketbook in the end as right. a seller. Right. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, is that I think because our market has been so hot that everybody thinks their house is going to sell the first day. Oh, sure. But that's not the reality. Absolutely. And I've seen somewhere I'm surprised, you mm-hmm. know, but looking back, it's like, yeah, you know, they probably could have done this or that, or, you know, I like the picture idea. So yeah. And I'm, I'm taking some notes. Oh, good. Well, sure. <laughs> and they also are leaving a lot of money on the table. Right. And that's what most people don't understand. You are investing in staging. It is not a cost. And there's a huge difference. So when I'm investing, even if it's just a few hundred dollars to bring in a stager to say, hey, paint this dining room a different color or rearrange this furniture to highlight this. A lot of times what I hear people say to me is, I never thought about putting my sofa here. I'm looking at them thinking, well, how can you not? Right. I have the ability to be able to walk into a room and know exactly where the furniture is. That's my gift. Don't ask me to sing. That's not my gift, you know? (laughs) Well, and then that's, as I'm thinking too, it's like, that's not my perspective either. I'm not an mm-hmm. expert at that. So sure. even though I could go and give you basic tips, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to be at your level. Right. You know? I mean, if I pick out colors or something, it's not happening. Right. My wife's going to do, you know, and even doing this, you know, there was tips and my wife kind of pushed back on some things, but I'm like, no, I like this. I'm doing it. Right. You know? um, but yeah, so it's, it's you know, I think, think, I guess more experience you get in stuff in general the more you realize that, you know, there's a good reason there's pros at it all. So mm-hmm. trust them and know that even though, you know, you couldn't say, oh, man, that's you're getting $5,000 more if you hire me because we don't know that. Right. You know? um, but the reality is, is your experience shows that it makes a difference. Absolutely. And I really believe when you surround yourself with experts in other fields. Yes. It only makes you better. And it makes agents look better. Too. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so you said the business time of the year. Well, we know that spring and, and summer. Um, and then usually how long does it take you to complete a project a day or? Um, most houses are going to, will be in three, four hours tops. Okay. Because we send in a full team. Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. I've got designers who go in and style the property. I've got installers who who bring in the furniture and set it up and f- do the fine-tuning of the furniture, mm-hmm. hanging the artwork, that sort of thing. So as a team, we can go in and knock out a 2,000-plus square foot house for, you know, two, three, four hours. Right, right. Yeah, kind of go back to just the aspect of, you know, the value of staging. Um, what exactly, you know, does it bring to the real estate transaction? I think it plays off a little bit of what we talked about, about having that expert in there. For example, my company will be in a thousand homes a year. We see, well, and other staging, stagers do as well, they see what's hot. Mm-hmm. We know the trends. We know what's going to appeal to the buyers. So having somebody who has their finger on the pulse on what's going on with this market, what do I need to do to make this particular home sell? Huge advantages. We're gonna be talking, when we go in there, we're gonna be talking about repairs because there are things that need to be done that buyers cannot get past. Mm -hmm. For example, if it's, you know, we have a foundation issue. It doesn't matter if we stage it, it doesn't matter how fantastic it looks. 
that's going to be a deal breaker for a lot of people. So to have that stager come in on the front end and say, let's deal with all of these repairs, which is why a lot of times when I work with occupied properties or we consult with them, I I like to recommend to have a home inspection first. When the seller does that, when they're willing to invest a few hundred dollars in getting a home inspection, then they can look at things and say, oh, we really need to deal with this. Or we need to adjust our price to right. make it competitive for the market to, to balance out right. the, the right. deficiency. So when you can see, especially when you're working with a limited budget, mm-hmm. let's say I have $2,000. I'm going to know exactly now that I look at this home inspection where I need to put my $2,000. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can get through that list and then there's money left over for staging... Fabulous. If not, have we still served the client well? Absolutely, because either a vacant home or an occupied home that is in great shape, has wonderful bones, and repairs have been made, mm-hmm. is going to outsell a beautiful home that has issues. Right. Every single day. And <clears throat> because I had sat down with the home inspector recently, and we talked about the uh, book. A pre-inspection for mm-hmm. the list, and uh, and it's like, and what you're saying too is like all of it's just being proactive because when you get a buyer in there, they're gonna find in a lot of cases they're gonna find they're gonna nitpick and it. they're gonna over exaggerate everything. Absolutely. Whereas if you got it all fixed and you got it perfectly staged, you got all the trim because that's yeah, just notice the little tiny details. And I and I myself, I, I'll notice more sometimes than even buyers do. You know, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but everybody has their own taste. So. Sure. You know, only gives so much insight. Um, but but and then I like actually what you said is like when a buyer goes to buy a house, you know what the budget is, you know out of cash out of pocket, you know all those details. But when you sell a house, um, it's good to sit down and look at your numbers, which everybody looks at their numbers, but what's the number that you can invest in it? You know, even if like you said, if it's a couple thousand, okay, so staging cost is, I mean, you know, and then obviously I know some agents um i myself do some of it uh you know obviously take care of the pictures do the home cleaning and stuff like that so um yeah it's a lot of good stuff well when you do that (coughs) pre-list inspection you know what you're dealing with Mm -hmm. and it's so much easier to deal with everything on the front end Mm -hmm. it just puts a seller in a better position and there's not that 11th hour surprise where you're getting ready to go to closing, the buyer walks through to do their final walkthrough and now we have this major issue because we didn't see it this before or um, something has happened since. So when you can deal with that all on the front end, it just makes it so much easier and so much less stress because it's very stressful to go through a real estate transaction, no matter what side of the transaction you're on. Not for me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my job. Is, I told somebody the other day we were sitting in class. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, counseling certified, you know. Because oh, really completely. You wear so many different hats and you're such a marriage counselor. Which is kind yeah. of fun. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, I enjoy the aspect. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's bring it back down to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, uh, which you've talked a lot about the real estate market obviously in general because mm-hmm. you know what you do is it um any any tips advice for buyers or sellers outside of your expertise and actually the home inspection and because you've given a lot of details but anything else you would add 
to uh, buyers looking to uh, relocate here or um, sellers? I would say probably to buyers. Sometimes buyers can be afraid of a staged home mm -hmm. because they feel like it's almost too perfect. Um, staging is just showing you how you can live in it. Mm -hmm. So don't be so afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sellers. Use Sellers. Use stager. <laughs> stage it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know that there are, first off, there's tremendous amount of talent in Nashville. And seek out the staging company that's going to be a great fit for you. Mm -hmm. Not everybody will do vacants or not everybody will do occupied properties. Right. And everybody has different skill sets and everybody brings different things to the table and different business models. So find, and this is, I guess, really mainly for agents, find a couple staging companies who are going to work for every situation that you have just to have those people in your pocket as part of your team. Right. Because we're going to be honest and we're right. going to tell you, hey, you know, I mean, there, and there have been many times where I knew that the client had an extremely limited budget and they wanted to stage. And I said, don't stage. You need to spend the money on painting or you need to fix this issue I can sleep at night when I know that I tell you the truth right and every other staging company in town that I know is ethical like that as well so um, it's not about my pocketbook in the right. end because ultimately I get paid back on that I'm not worried about that at all what's the best thing for the seller in their situation um, so thought pictures or no pictures as far as personal pictures, do you definitely recommend get them all off the wall? I say get rid of them. And the reason why is, first off, Nashville's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Right. What happens when we walk into a house and we see these photographs? Oh, all of a sudden, that person looks really familiar. And then now I'm trying to think in my brain, how do I know that person? So I'm distracted. We all right. cannot focus. That's our problem now is nobody can focus. And so... Squirrel. Completely. <laughs> completely. So... Um, removing any distractions because right. you want to sell the house you don't want to sell the people in the house and people are getting distracted yes I, I guess there's just really not another you know, word it's just distracted but when I'm looking around it's like you're looking at the pictures you mm -hmm. know it's like oh that's nice especially when you see those beautiful children yeah. uh, like there's some great right. you know and there's that's probably why the pictures are not being left down because you mm -hmm. know Hey, these are beautiful pictures. Well, and something, too, that the seller needs to take into account is when your house goes on the market, it's no longer your house. Mm -hmm. You are transforming your home into a marketable product. Mm -hmm. So you have to do things that are going to appeal to the market, and it changes. Mm -hmm. So take the personal out of it. Right and turn it into something a little bit more generic mm -hmm. that will appeal to the masses, even though, yes, our goal is to appeal to the masses, we're also targeting a specific buyer. Right. So for example, when I go in and um, there are just the different neighborhoods in town, I know who's buying in that neighborhood. Or I may need to right. ask the agent, or even the homeowner, tell me about your neighbors. Who's moving in here? Who's living here? So then I, as a stager, know how do I 
how can I best market this property? What am I going to do to appeal to that family who has young kids? Or what am I going to do to maybe that older empty nest couple? Mm -hmm. So things like that, I'm going to approach the house differently depending upon who the target buyer is. And that's extremely important to know. Who are you selling this house to? Right, right. Well, I'm sitting here, again, as you're talking, listening, which is kind of cool. You can listen and, and think. Because I can't do it, I heard it both. But I'm just thinking, <laughs> this content is like agents need to hear this. I mean, it's good stuff. Well, I mean, thank you. Every aspect of it. So, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, you could uh, you could actually, obviously, be an agent. Um, I used to be. Okay, okay, okay. Might, I have seven uh, years experience uh, under well, my yeah. belt, which is how I okay, moved into okay. staging. Staging is much more my um, my wheelhouse. Yes. I'm really good at walking into a property and knowing how it's yeah. supposed to be presented. You can okay. take all the buyer-seller stuff. Right. Take that away. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I did. I, I read that, mm -hmm. um, that experience, but I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So you had seven years of, in this market, or where were you at? In this market okay. here. Mm -hmm. So are you all originally from here, or where'd you? Uh, my husband is. Okay. Um, and I've nice. been here almost 20 years. Nice. So, where yeah. Where did you come from? California. Nice. I was one of those early California transplants, but you know, yeah, completely, yeah, crazy. yeah, but have completely fallen in love with Nashville. Nashville's my home. Yes. I've my heart's here. Um, we have lots of family here, so yeah, yeah. And uh, the fact I love to travel, so being able to, you know, five hours from right. like major cities and just being able to go explore like that yes. is really awesome for me as well. And, and just like today, it's like last week it was. Uh, I think we broke a record for it being hot. Yeah, and, and now we're wearing sweaters. It's like 50, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I mean, here. Um, all right, well, I think that is, uh, that's good. We got Awesome. So thank you so much for joining me in the Rambler. My pleasure. This is and awesome. I definitely look forward to uh, contacting you on future listings. For well, sure. thank you. But I'll tell you, I'm not sure how much you need me based upon what I'm seeing around oh, no, here because no, this I, is so awesome. This is a gut it and then throw some stuff around, you know. This but. is, I got to tell you, coolest interview I've ever done. Awesome. So thank you. I, like I love it. I like that. Wow, that was some good, uh, good advice and tips for getting your home ready to sell. Obviously, keep fresh perspectives in your mind when you are getting to that point, and hopefully, uh, your agent um, will advise you to uh, to do some home staging, even with a even with a fast and crazy market. Obviously, the takeaway from that interview is you could uh, always potentially leave some money on the table by not home staging. Now, join me again to finish up the interview with Jason Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess yeah. I'm not too old for it. I guess no. Is it is it hard? Do you find it's harder though? If, if say being forty, it's, is it harder versus it, when you're younger? The learning is not the practice time is. Yeah, okay, as you, you know, yeah. it's just you don't have the. It's hard to find the time to put into it. You so know? now, do you ever sing your kids like lullabies with a guitar, like putting them down? Do you incorporate that? Into you know, time I, Lola, my daughter, she's very into the music. My son, he he'll tell me to turn it. He's I'd turn it down. You know, so right. so I think she's gonna be my little musician you know yeah so so he's playing what well, he's learning the guitar too no or, no no he's he's, Drums. My, he's a baseball player uh, so he's, he's baseball and basketball yeah 
Which, which I'm all for it, man. Right. Do whatever you love. Now, so uh, what kind of advice would you give to uh, either people that are looking to move to Nashville? Because obviously there's, you know, they say nine, on average, I think 80 to 90 people a day moving to Nashville. And we know that by the traffic. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then also from a music standpoint, you know, people moving here wanting to make it. Um, or, you know, ones that are are here already and trying to make it any any words of wisdom you know uh, being every part of it yeah totally as a musician um you know you'll get a lot of negative negative comments and people go oh there's so many musicians there but you know my main thing when i moved to nashville was i came to nashville prepared i knew how to play my instrument I knew how to learn songs. I had been in many band situations. It wasn't like I came here to figure it out. So I would say, figure it out before you come here. You know, know what you're doing. Don't come here and expect to learn because Nashville is a really, really fast paced town. It's a fast paced music town. And if you don't know and you're not on top of your game, there's a hundred guys standing behind you that they're going to just move on and to get that opportunity back, which I can tell a story of a of a student I was working with and, and I told him not to take a particular gig. And yet he went ahead and felt like he was ready to take the gig and he took the gig and he lost the gig after one show. The first impression. The first and it took him three or four years to rebuild his reputation. Wow. He almost kinda had to reinvent himself because everyone thought he was the guy that wasn't ready, even though he was a totally different player. But you know, it slowed his process down where if he would have just waited six months to a year and had himself prepared and went into the gig a hundred percent, he would probably still be on it. And and it would have, you know, elongated and shot him on down the road quicker, you know, where he had to do a little more building stage. So probably on that, I would say the advice probably would be listen to the wisdom of people that have been in the industry. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, People reach out to me all the time on Facebook and stuff, you know, and, and I totally, you know, that's not annoying to me. I right. I, I love it. And, I, and I'll be honest with people, you know, if yeah, you if are. somebody, yeah, if somebody sends me a song and they go, what do you think about this? I'll go, yeah, it's not good. You're not ready. I mean, what, what good does it do to tell someone, oh, man, that's great. You right. know, when it's right. not like. Give people on it, you know, obviously not negative, but give people honest, honest feedback, you know, and if if you don't want that, I'm probably not the guy to reach out to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff, you know, and and I think in the long run, we're all better for that. If people were just honest, we would all, you know, better ourselves from it, you know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I think that's some pretty good advice. Yeah, just come prepared, right? And don't be afraid to reach out to people. I, it's I, all, yep. It's you know, all, well, as, as obviously, you, you know, the talent is is key, but the networking, totally, people you totally, know. it is all you know. Now, did you have some connections because your dad had been in the industry for a while? Or? You know, honestly, when I came to Nashville, I only knew two people. Okay, you know, and wow. it was all, and they, you know, I mean, no offense, either one of them, but. Only one of them helped me out of the two, you know, and I won't say which one, but he knows who he is. He was very helpful to me, and the other guy still hasn't helped me to this day, (laughs) which I don't understand. He must have known how good you you were, and he was probably threatened. Maybe. I think he wanted me to carve my own path, which which is totally fine, but, you know, throwing you a bone every once in a while wouldn't hurt, you know. Right. Right. And, you know, like I said, I got I got a couple guys that reach out to me, and I sure, man, I'll I'll take care of them. I'll I'll help them any way I can, you know, Mm -hmm. try to – 
steer people away from the mistakes. You know, right. you all you see, you want to if you want to be a be successful, hang out with someone that's right. done what you want to do. Right. You know, don't hang out with someone that failed at it. Yeah, hang like, out with someone that did what you want to do. You know, so yep, that's cool. So switch gears. Um, I know you've obviously bought and sold and done a little real estate, and you're yeah. always kind of keeping an eye yeah. on the comps. And are, yeah. actually, we're pretty excited yeah. about a, a house that recently <laughs> I have listed that appraised. Yeah, uh, did pretty, it's it did same, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's your same floor plan. Um, any advice, thoughts in real estate that you could pass on? Um, Man, you with got people relocating and stuff. Yeah, you, you got to find a good realtor. You know, I mean, because Nashville. It's so hot right now. Like you said, I, what is it, 90 people or something yeah. a day moving in town. So as we've thought in the process of of moving, it seems like now, you know, it'd be a great time to to build something. Because there are, it's you know, people say you can't find houses, but that's because they're trying to move from New York and they need to find a house in a day. Right. But you can build a house. So, right. you know, I would think it would be smarter, obviously, to move here, which I did this when I came to Nashville. I I got an apartment for a year because I didn't know the area and I wanted to see where I wanted to live, you know? Right. And at the time, you know, I ended up in Hermitage, which, you know, we're still really close to there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love, I loved it there and lived there for a long time. And once I was married, we still live there, just moved to a different, we moved to a townhouse and, you know, worked our way up right. to where we are now. And, and I think that's a smart thing, you know, just don't come here and, my uncle, he made a horrible mistake of buying something that he really had, had knew right, nothing right, knew right. nothing about and right. just rushed into it real quick. Where right. if he would have came here and got an apartment, he might he might have made a different decision, right. you know. Right. Right. Which you advised him to make a different decision. <laughs> so he, but right. he chose not to, right. and, and it is what it is. But yeah, yeah, and I, I've kind of found it. You know, I think that I think with an agent with the experience of an area can give enough insight into areas. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of find a mixture of some that get the apartment for a year and some that are ready to move. Cause yeah. you know, some people have relocation. Sure. Sure. Like sure. Right. Jobs and things. I right. get that. But right. if you just have the luxury of it, I think it pick, pick a spot, you know, right. where you want to, where you want to live. And obviously we live in Mount Juliet, which is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. I mean, growth, the 10 year growth of this is insane. Yeah, I heard the city uh, the city manager the other day, and and it was it was pretty exciting to listen to him about the growth. Uh, I bet. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I remember in when I moved to town, it was like Mount Julius, where you came to hunt and fish, you know. Yeah, because it was all farmland and woods, and now yeah. it's now it's not. We have a shopping mall. So and, you've lived. Um, so you've been here since ninety ninety six ninety six. Okay. Yeah. And then you've been married how long? 12 years. So how Just long have we known each other? Has it been about? It's probably been 12 or 13 yeah, years, yeah. Because yeah. we met, I remember at, the, we met the, at we met at church yeah. to find yeah. out we live next to each other. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and now we're on our second neighborhood together. Somebody, I was talking to Natalie today, and uh, she had mentioned something about sending this text about somebody had uh, had lost some dogs, and so she had sent the text out to some friends to say, hey, um, you know, they lived in the same neighborhood as the people who lost, who had lost the dogs. And, and she's like, Hey, if you happen to see these dogs and the person had replied, one of the, one of the girls said, I hope they never find the dogs. I can't stand those dogs. <laughs> and it made me think about in our neighborhood. You remember two thumbs over? Yeah. That, oh, dog, yeah. that barked all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Probably a big reason for us moving. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those neighbors and that dog. <laughs> 
Well, and just a note, if you have dogs that bark all the time, be respectful of your neighbors. Yes. yes. And shut the dogs up. Especially when Andrew's showing a house next door to you. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few of those. All right, cool. I bet. All right, so let's uh, let's have a little fun on the guitar. Yeah, let's do what it, man. I'm playing, just jamming, uh, out, jamming yeah, out. Yeah, I'll probably I'll play a song uh, I wrote. Um, I did an instrumental album in 1998. Okay, and uh, I was very fortunate that it was uh, named uh, Album of the Month in Vintage Guitar Player Magazine and Guitar Player in 1999. And uh, it was a song called Genuine Vinyl. I'll play that one. Title cool. track of that album. All right, cool. Sounds good. What a great interview with Jason Jordan. Lots of great insight for musicians looking to move to Nashville and uh, some good tips for the, uh, the musicians trying to make it. Now sit back and enjoy one more song from Jason. so much for joining me for episode one with Anthea Click from Fresh Perspective and Jason Jordan. Keep in mind, Jason does some guitar teaching. Kids, older, you name it, he can uh, he can show you how to play that guitar. So uh, give him a shout. Uh, look at the show notes for contact information for Fresh Perspectives and Jason. Keep in mind, in a couple episodes, I will be introducing one of the nonprofits I'll be partnering with. Uh, remember, I'll be featuring a different nonprofit each month, and uh, I will be incorporating that into real estate by uh, donating money for each closing and also uh, for referrals. And then I'll be coordinating an outreach project for that nonprofit for that month. So uh, really looking forward to uh, getting the message out about uh, the nonprofits that I have uh, chosen to work with and have and they have chosen to partner with me. Make sure to join me next week as Ross Holmes will join me in the Rambler and we will talk about music from his perspective and you'll get to hear him rock the fiddle. We'll also sit down with Matt Baumgartner. He is a home inspector. He'll be able to give you some great tips to get your home ready to sell from a home inspector's perspective. Thank you. Have a great week. And remember, I'm in real estate. If you're looking to buy or sell, please give me a call. 
can reach me at 615-973-7657. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Music City Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed our program, please leave us an iTunes rating and review and subscribe for more music and valuable insights each week into Nashville's real estate landscape. Send your comments, questions, and ideas to podcast at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. And remember, don't give up until you find the property that's right for you. See you next time.